A few weeks ago, I had a sudden moment of realization about this building. You'll be amazed at my revelation. I realized that the roof and the pillars were made of wood. <laughs> I've only been in this church for 30 years. <laughs> I know you're astounded about that realization, but I suddenly realize that trees are a central part to this building. I asked Jeff Anders, one of the architects, uh, who I turn to when I need architectural information, and said to Jeff, or through Mary, what trees do you think these are? And he said, well, he reckons they're pitch pine. But as he wasn't alive in the 1800s, he can't be absolutely sure. Of course, there could be very practical reasons why they were made of wood. It was just the best material to use at the time. But notice that each pillar is not lots of trees compact together like a glue lamb beam. It's one tree. And it is a very tall tree, each one. It doesn't finish at the curtains. It goes right up to the roof. So as well as this being a tabernacle or a tent, it's also a walkway of trees. You may see these pillars slightly differently now, when you can't see Chris or Kay in the morning because you're stuck behind one. <laughs> I know I've been stuck behind one as well. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been aware of trees in Scripture? Whether that was the important goal of the original builders in the Bible, the third most talked about living thing after God and man are trees in the Bible. God gave us trees on the third day of creation because they yielded fruit and quite simply, they are beautiful to look at. Matthew Sleets, in his book on trees in the Bible, says, if you turn a tree upside down, and I don't recommend that you do it, you can see that the actual construction of a tree is like the pair of a lungs. It has a windpipe and alveoli, just like we do. We know full well that trees are the lungs of the earth. John Collins and Dr. Tim Mackey in their podcast on, the Bible, on trees in the Bible say time and again how the Bible author, authors use trees to remind us of key messages and to help us in times of distress, particularly when we are facing loss, bereavement, and trauma. Do you remember where Jesus was on the night that he was arrested? He was in an olive grove full of olive trees. It was brought to my notice that Abraham buried his wife, Sarah, in an area where the Bible specifically says it was full of trees. Abraham's son is saved from death because of a ram stuck in bushes or trees. 
Noah and his family are saved by gopher trees made into the ark. Israel is saved because of God speaking through a burning bush. And on Jacob's deathbed, he describes his son Joseph as a fruitful vine. Psalm 1, as we've just expressed, says how in times of loss and grief, we can take hope because blessed is the man and the woman who meditates on the Word of God day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water. Even in times of drought, loss, in times of bereavement, then that person will flourish and the leaves will not drop. I wonder how many of you have planted a tree or maybe a rose when your loved one passed away. Matthew Sleeve says, those who plant trees are not going into the business for themselves. They are going into the business with God because God loves trees. Often when I visit somebody who is nearing the end of their lives, I put a holding cross in their hands made of olive wood. And I often give them to the family as well. When a loved one has passed away, and there are those long evenings and nights on your own, holding the cross and knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ wept at the loss of his dear friend Lazarus means that when you hold the cross, Jesus is holding you. So may I ask this, when you see a tree in Scripture, would you ask yourself this question, what's it pointing towards? Trees in the Bible act in the much the same way that movies employ music to tell a story. Trees are not the point of the story, but they point to the story. At key moments in the Bible, you'll see a tree. Trees are always there for a reason. Again, Matthew 3 writes, when you spot a tree in the Bible, you can be confident that heaven, God's restoration, is on the way. When you see a tree, a branch, a bush, a root, fruit, or a seed, on the page, look for God, for God is taking our minds back to Eden and forward to the tree of life. If I were to ask you, which was the most prominent tree in the Bible, I am sure that you would list amongst those trees the tree of life. I always say to Daniel and Naomi and Pauline, if anything happens to me, when we're not together, let's meet at the tree of life. And one of the encouragements I give to loved ones in the, fam in the hospital is that they will meet their loved ones, again, who have loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a better place to meet than by the tree of life. So what is God telling us about that particular tree? In one of the last lines of the Bible, it says, Jesus says, I am the root 
and the descendant of David. Said in another way, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Christ is the deepest root of the tree and the highest branch on its crown. What is he saying to us? He's saying, I have started this world. And amidst the pain, the sorrow, I am going to restore it. I was there at the start of your loved one's life. And I was there when they took their last breath. So do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In the new garden city are many dwelling places. You will have access to the tree of life. And I will come to you and take you to where I am. So that where I am, there you will also be. How glorious that we can experience the tree of life because of God's mercy tree on which the Christ was crucified. One day soon, we'll see his face. Every tear he'll wipe away. No more pain or suffering. Praise him for the mercy tree.